Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists and patrons who believe in the power of beauty to evangelize our culture. And we're so pumped you're here. Everybody, it is a great day, all right? It is a great day because I get to sit down with Dr. Ryan Hanning. We all get to sit down with Dr. Ryan Hanning. It's just like being in school, but like not in a in a way that feels like drudgery, in a way that feels like leisure. I, I call my conversations with Dr. Ryan Hanning true intellectual leisure, where you're just you know, experiencing this expansion of your intellect and you're not even having to put in that much effort because he just is a brilliant teacher. He has a way of just bringing it down, keeping it real. And in some ways, that's actually what today's conversation is kind of about. What does the mundane, the ordinary, the everyday have to teach us about the divine? You know, in a very real way, and the opposite way of looking at it is that the, the, the divine brings meaning to the mundane, to the practical. And today we're really highlighting this incredible new magazine that Dr. Ryan Hanning is responsible for helping edit called Hearth and Field. Now, all of our patrons got it back in December. I suppose the only exceptions to that would have been our digital patrons who got a digital copy, but all of our other patrons, they got this beautiful magazine in the mail back in December called Hearth and Field. And I'm really excited today to just simply highlight this magazine to talk a little bit more about what it looks like for all of us to embrace right relationship with the land, to understand the need, right, for some level of agrarian culture in our world if, you know, our culture is going to survive at all, right? There's got to be a love for the land and a willingness to really cultivate it and till it and to, to claim dominion in a way that brings more and more beauty into the world. And anyways, there's a lot to talk about, but if you're really into farming and homesteading, this is the episode for you. In just a moment, I'll be back with Dr. Ryan Hanning. For now, enjoy this beautiful song, one of my classic favorites, called Brothers, off of the 2010 album by Kevin Hyder called The Salzburg Revolution, which you can find everywhere digital music is streamed. As bullets rip the sky, I can't help wonder why My brother with the gun wants the other one to die As bullets rip the sky, I can't help wonder why My brother with the gun wants the other one to die Who is the infidel? Got a gun, he wants to kill someone He wants to kill my other brother, our father's other son He doesn't want his face, living in his living space He wants to end his life, he wants to end his race for good Welcome back, Ryan Yes, I know, it's, it, you know, every time coming here, like Other things I do like this, I have to really prepare You know, like really prepare, like, like psych myself <laughs> up for but like coming years is like always a joy. Like I don't have to do that. It's just so natural. Like, yeah. It's just it's just an honor. Like, well, so it's so cool. Our, our good friend Jason Gregg, he always says, "I refuse to learn in isolation." Now, yeah. granted, he still reads books and he still 
probably loves intellectual leisure on his own. However, he says the only way for him to really, truly, and deeply learn is in communion, yep. in community, in friendship with others. That's always happened very naturally here. Yeah. I, I feel like I should be paying for like my second master's course <laughs> just through these episodes. Yeah, well, you don't realize is like how much I learn. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's just so <laughs> awesome. Like, my no, mom so goes, true. you learn so much from those people you bring onto the podcast, don't you? I mean, between Father Ryan Adorjan oh, and Dr. Yeah. Ryan Hanning and Jason Craig, she's like, you're right, mom. This is my ongoing education. <laughs> well, Father Adorjan, I mean, like, I like, I mean, I listen to this stuff and like, I geek out. I'm like, oh, he's oh. good. Like, he's I, so I, I end good. up like stealing some of the stuff he says too. I'm like yeah. writing down phrases. I'm like, that is now mine. You <laughs> don't, like, don't tell him yet. Although at this point, maybe he's already sort of tuned into it he will not be a contributing podcaster for this season because i want to save him to do our next bonus series oh nice it's like we do with jason craig on orthodoxy yeah we're hoping to do something similar with andrew peterson and just fantasy novels in general but like father ryan adorjan he would just be so fun to listen to for four or five weeks in a row as oh, we absolutely. dove into a particular book at some point we may just sort of like pull you out of a season and throw you into a a bonus series because no, there's something about that like deeper dive into a particular book or a particular series, particular idea that can be really, really powerful. Oh, yeah. let's just throw it out there. I mean, if you could spend five episodes, which is the combination of three hours or so, talking about one book, what would you choose? Wes. So be, and it has to be is it in the public fiction? domain. No, okay. fiction, nonfiction, but let's just go ahead and make it even more challenging and say it couldn't have been written in the last hundred years. Ooh. Well, so well, Jaber Crow then Jaber Crow. I mean, some pixels, that's, that's new. Pixels from Wendell Berry. So it has no, to be, it has to have been written like before that. Sorry, oh, okay. not in the last hundred years because Jaber Crow would be epic. So, but we could never publish Dostoevsky. Then let's do the idiot. Really? Yeah, like we can just spend like. So, can you imagine you're an author so cool. and you struggle with epilepsy, and you're such a good author that somehow you can make the reader feel as if you suffer from epilepsy. Dang. Like he writes in this, in this like really brilliant staccato way that makes your, it's, like, it's crazy. Like your heart actually like, like, like pumps faster in certain points of the story. Interesting. Not because of tension or like any, like all the other, like, you know, like music and like other movies, like have a way of doing that. Like um, Dunkirk, like a beautiful yeah. example. Like you, I think oh, you mentioned one time that's painful like, that, that music is like emotional sabotage. Yes. Like it just sets you up for like Hans Zimmer's really good at that. But Dostoevsky in literature does this without you knowing it. Like you do not perceive it until you're like, you enter in, you become Prince Mishkin and like several wow. of the things. So I would, we would do five weeks in Dostoevsky and just But did he out. have epilepsy himself? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the belief. People this believe that so he struggled with, with a seizure disorder. Do you know how many times I've tried to read Brothers K? So you, no one should try to read Dostoevsky uh-huh. without a lot of bourbon or vodka <laughs> or something. No, like you really, you do, you do, you do benefit from understanding like the, the Russian uh. intellectual approach and like, you know, it is, it's, he writes the melancholic. So you have to remember like <laughs> what, what is interesting to Dostoevsky is, is not the people or the setting, though he writes about that brilliantly. What's important to Dostoevsky is communicating the idea. So let's pause on that for a yeah. second, because I've heard you associate melancholics with big ideas before. Yep. And I think for most of my life, I thought that particular temperament, which if you don't know what we're talking about right now, go back and listen to any previous episodes with Dr. Ryan Hanning and the temperaments. We've had at least a couple. But to be melancholic, I always thought it had more to do with big emotions, not big ideas. Are yeah. those similar? Are they connected? What, what was my well, part of this? Because they have so a melancholic naturally has a lot of so they're they're slow to react, but they they endure for a long time. Yeah, right. Oh. And so because of that, 
you know, emotions do tend to play a role, not because they're overly emotive, but because they can painfully see the reality of ideas not being applied appropriately. Wow. So this is why their emotion runs much more deep. Like a sanguine's emotion, like I'm I'm happy and sad in the same 35 seconds. Like I yeah. can, like my wife always tells a story, like I was at, we were at a dinner party and someone goes, oh, have you been to Madrid? And I'm like, oh yes, I've been to Madrid. And she's like, hey, wait, stop. <laughs> stop, so let, me just, let me just intervene. Okay, we spent one day in the airport. Like Ryan, we didn't even, I don't think we left <laughs> the airport, right? So because it's a sanguine. I'm like, it's like, up and down. like, oh yeah, I've been there. Right? Like one time we're like, a melancholic's really able to enter in just by their temperament, right? So they're yeah. motivated by ideas, but yeah, they do have these deep emotions because they recognize, right? The truth of whether or not the idea is being applied or the impact of a bad idea being applied. Like they're able to do that, that deep entering in. So Dostoevsky is able to do this. And the idiot, I think, you know, there's other literature we can look at, but like him or Solzhenitsyn, which would be more yeah. more recent. But like, that'd be cool home, though, because like, we could do a love good edition of the idiot, oh, which man. at some point just makes sense, right? We don't steal the tagline, you know, beauty will save the world, all but that, that often, from there, but it's though. from there, and most people don't know that, you know. This is a cool idea, and just while we're having a moment talking about the temperaments. I think it's time to just go ahead and, and have some serious product placement. Okay, <laughs> so uh, for those who have not yet purchased. The Willpower Advantage, Building Habits for Lasting Happiness by Tom Peterson and Dr. Ryan Hanning. You probably should go to Ignatius.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, everywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold, but we always say go to Ignatius. I mean, we're we're, we're stoked they published the book, so. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you've obviously been really busy. Like, you've been creating a lot, especially, I think, since, you know, pandemic and quarantine and, and just chaos began unfolding, you, you have since been highly involved in the publication of a, of a brand new agrarian journal. You've released your first ever book. Every time I hear you sort of catching me up on, on life, even if it's just been a few weeks, like there's some new big possibility happening, like the, like the biographer, you yeah, know, potential. I mean, so many things. So maybe we could just dive into hearth and field for a moment yeah, because this has been really exciting for our patrons something that most people did not see coming. Like my sister, she's been a patron for a long time. I rarely get text messages from her saying, this is awesome. I think she just kind of got used to it along the way and now really loves what we send her. But Hearth and Field is the first time in a long time that she's reached out specifically to say, this is changing like family life for us, or it is deeply affirming family life for us. It's something that she has found not only inspiring, but I think like practically really Really helpful. So tell us more about Hearth and Field. Yeah, so I mean, it's amazing. This this last, this season that we've been in has been, I mean, for everyone, uh, a season of deep introspection. And like, praise God, like I, I do not take it lightly and I do not take it for granted that I, I, I'm i in a position where I can just actually do what I've been dreaming of, which is which is write and think about these things and to do it in, in, in a community, which is really cool. And so, I mean, it's, it's amazing to, to, to be part of sort of, you know, launching a, a publication. So Hearth and Field essentially came out of, of, a, of, a, of a phone call from an individual that said, hey, I, I feel really called by the Lord, really called specifically by the, by the Holy Spirit, prompting my heart that we need to start wrapping some, some intellectual foundation around this deep angst to be in right relationship with the world around us. And so I get this email across my fake desk saying, hey, you know, like, <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. Like, it's not. Your you desk back. is a bunker. Well, I, oh, I, I, yeah, it's true. I, I do. My, my office is a tornado shelter. But it's amazing. Yeah, we call it, like, I, I hate the fact that we call it a desktop for a computer. Uh, I think the, the, the computer does this, right? So what we call is a web page. Mm. 
No, it's not. Like, yeah. Anyways, so we all have these words. This is a very Jason Craig rant. You can oh, go on yeah. right now. Yeah, we can just listen to any Jason podcast. He's, you know, he's yeah. that, so. But so anyways, I got this, you know, email saying, Hey, look, we're we're opening up this journal, we're just starting it. Would you want to be part of it? And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. Mainly for myself. Like, I'm trying to figure this out. Like, you know, we just entered in to what I would consider a more right relationship with the land. It's been kicking our butt, right? Like trying to figure out what does this mean? You know, to, to really sort of to take seriously being a good steward of the gifts God has given you, specifically those right in front of you. Yeah. Which would be what you consume, which would be the relationships you have in terms of commerce, which would be you know, all these things that actually make up a lot of of how we spend our time and how we enter into life. And so we launched a journal and we spent a lot of time just praying about it. Originally, it was going to be a sort of an esoteric online thing. We ended up deciding it was just too good. And we're, so now we're going to publish it quarterly. Very incarnational of you. It right? is, yes, that's right. We, yeah. well, we just cannot exist online. We can't be talking about incarnation <laughs> just to be online. So essentially, the, the gist of it is this. It's really simple. Is that for most of human history, art has always been about marrying the mundane with the transcendent. Mm. Okay? And this is not about over-spiritualizing the mundane. This is about recognizing that the mundane is infused with the fingerprint of something beyond itself. Mm. And that infusion of that fingerprint, you know, is, is what elevates the human heart. I mean, the ancient Greeks, you know, talked about contemplation as, as that. And they saw art as one of the forms of, of a creative response to contemplation. Mm. And so now more than ever, I think we need to figure out how to sort of marry the mundane and transcendent. Yeah. So, so Hearth and Field is sort of committed to doing that with a deeply Christian ethos. And so we do that by, by looking, I mean, so everything from practical, you know, like, you know, we have an uh, article in there called Duck, you know, the, the dark other white meat, right? Like how to, <laughs> I like, saw that. you know, how to like raise ducks for food and, and, and like other ones about like education or about how to mount a horse. And so uh-huh. you know, the whole idea is, is about just finding joy in, in the mundane and there's two temptations, right? One temptation is to over-spiritualize the mundane, right? That would look like this. That would look like me drinking this coffee right now, which I just got to admit is like kind of kind of good. Like it's this, uh, love good coffee for anybody. Yeah, this is like, you know, the, the church's understanding of, of sacrament versus sacramental, right? <laughs> sacrament communicates efficacious <laughs> grace. Uh, a sacramental, you know, encourages it, right? This is like almost like a sacrament, whoa, right? It encourages whoa. awe and respect. <laughs> for God and the work of human hands. But so hearth and field, we're not just trying to spiritualize the mundane, nor are we trying to humanize or, or make mundane the transcendent. Yeah. We're, we're trying to properly marry the two, which which looks a more like pulling back the veil. Yeah. It looks like looking upon a well-ordered crop hmm. and saying, wow, there's something more here that that's 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 speaking to my heart about yeah. human creativity about cooperation, yeah. about partnership. And, and that's true for, for everything from you know, making sauerkraut. I mean, to you got like, recipes all over this yeah. thing. So we got recipes, so we practical. got essays. We got, I mean, we got amazing, we got Jason Craig, we got Jared Stout. We got incredible group of authors writing for us from all different backgrounds. So every week online, like I mean, people really got to do this, go online, Hearth and Field, sign up. We're not going to spam you. You get every Friday, uh, with the exception of Christmas, we're not going to do it on Christmas. We're going to do it on Thursday, I think. Nice. But uh, so, so certain holidays we'll we'll stay away from if they fall on the Friday. But every Friday, you will get a simple newsletter. The newsletter is like a simple one-page read from our editor Matthew Jambroni, who's an incredible author and an amazing guy. And then an introduction to several of the articles we're running. So we have new articles coming out every week. And then a selection of those articles make their way into the quarterly publication. I'm never going to actually you know, write a complete book because at this point, I'm just going to end up submitting more and more essays well, for Hearth and Field. This is crazy. So you, you've heard me say the, the term conspiracy of grace, right? Like the, 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 the preference that God prefers 
which is not to be on the nose, right? Like he just prefers to like, you know, like woo you, right? And like yeah. all the He's great subtle. poets speak to this. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Jessica Powers, one of my favorite poets, uh, became a, in, from Wisconsin, became a, a Carmelite. She she talks about, you know, Lord, you're such a, the strangest kind of lover because you right. woo me with roses, not for the roses, but for the thorns. Mm. <laughs> like this is a reality that, that God is putting things together and we often don't see it until we're on the other side. And so, you know, so much of this whole publication has come from these deep friendships from different angles. And so we have, you know, we have cow farmers and, and, mm-hmm. and people who run dairies, large and small. You know, we have this this community of friends who think, you know, in some ways very, have very diverse ideas about what it means to raise a family or what a good book is. But we all agree that those questions are worthy of asking mm-hmm. and that we should explore it. You know, it's funny. I don't even know the details yet, but I think many of these minds and now they're not just thought leaders they're practitioners right are coming together to do some kind of like live stream retreat i think for homeschoolers do you yeah. know about this there's just a few things going on yeah because like jason reached out about it i don't know yeah. any details yet by the time this episode releases we might have details and i'll share them in the uh intro or the outro but i just love the fact that so much of your work this has certainly been true of my work as well is built on friendship right because you really talk about this marrying the mundane with the transcendent, I don't know how easy that is to do without the people in your lives who are constantly like pointing up yep. at the stars and helping you connect those dots yep. or pointing down, you know, at the the soil, the dirt beneath your feet to, to remind you, you know, that we are actually, again, enfleshed in, in, in reality. Yeah. Like there's this beautiful tension that I have a hard time living in yep. unless I'm constantly reading the right kinds of books, deeply committed to prayer, and maybe in some ways, most importantly, living those realities in community with others. We keep coming back to this yeah. right now, but it's so important. Oh, it's, a, it's a thing we need to like revisit time and time again in pandemic and out of pandemic. Like mm-hmm. we are made for community. And, and the truth is, and I love you know, the, the term marrying the mundane with the transit. It, it is marriage, right? I mean, this is, this is not only the spousal language of scripture, right? For the Judeo-Christian tradition, but this is just the truth of the hard work it takes to do that. Mm. Because there is a temptation, right? And I mentioned the temptation to over-spiritualize the mundane, right? So like this, so we, we sort of joke, right? That, that Hearth and Field is written because there's a tendency to, to become pantheistic in your respect for the environment, <laughs> which, is, uh, to, which in some ways is to, you know, is to draw down the reality of God and to draw down the reality that the divine and confuse it with the mundane. Right. But there's also this temptation to assume that, that the earth is nothing, mm-hmm. right. Or that all nature is bad or all, you know, it's all, you know, it's, 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 it's all depraved. Well, no, it's, it's infused as, you know, Gerard Manley Hopkins says it's, it's infused with, yeah. with the fingerprint of God. You know, it oozes oils. He says in that beautiful, you know, poem about the grandeur of, of, of God's creation. And so Hearth and Field is sort of focuses on this. And, the, and I think, you know, one of the things for me, which is cool to do this in the community is that you know, these are the questions that we're asking of ourselves. Like we're not writing anything that we're not actually entering into. And for every for every long essay you get from myself or Jared Stout or, or Matthew Nabroni or others, you'll also get like a recipe. So like one of my favorite articles next to yours, of course, uh, Jimmy's article is great in there about you know, becoming human in a noisy, noisy world, which actually, by the way, we've gotten tons of like positive feedback That's for it. Cool. It's been really cool. And that one actually ran twice on New Advent. And we're, yeah, I think oh, we got picked up by a few other, other, you know. Yeah, oh, I think it's Those Catholic Men. Those Catholic Men's running on right up. now. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, picking up. Cool. So, you know, but, one of the things with it, the one of the other ones is Rob Drapeau has this hilarious article, you know, about like in some ways it, it's it's a short, it's not a, it's not a it's not a, a long read, but it's just like a, a a 
definitely a gut punch and just saying like, like, what are your priorities? Like, let's just be honest. Like, what is, what is this whole human mess about and how do we enter into it? And so it's really interesting. But then you also read this incredible article about Sofrito because he's from Puerto Rico and how Sofrito is like the topping they make. It's like the base of like everything and about how that's going to change your life. It's so mm. like, you get this like beautiful essay about, you know, sort of the deep questions of human life and how to enter into them. And then you get a, hey, here's Sofrito's going to rock your world. Yeah. Right? Like an actual real enjoy- enjoyment of nature, of creation. So, you know, that regard, we try to talk about like the, the marriage of the mundane and the, and the divine, but also the, the marriage of, of the work of human hands and its mm. elevation yeah. toward what it's meant to call us to. This is so cool because really what it, it's an invitation to is to live in a very human way the doctrine of, well, the hypostatic union, yeah. right? That God and his son Jesus is fully human and fully God. It's very hard, I think, yep. to process that until you begin living that way in reality. So there's a crazy and, and kind of embarrassing story I'll tell here very briefly. I was at Cove Crest, the Great Life Teen Summer Camp this past summer. It was the only week of camp in the entirety of 2020. And I just happened to be lucky enough to host it. You know, I think that a lot of people were just very, very excited to be a part of that one week. I thought there was going to be a few weeks after that, but with the pandemic, they just sure. decided, let's let's close up shop. We had our week and we'll revisit, you know, for 2021. But, you know, there was a sense of adventure, a sense of excitement, a sense of profound gratitude that we were some of the only people in the world probably experiencing a summer camp, much less a, a Catholic summer camp, you know, really, really special. And well, w- one afternoon I got a little too, a little too excited and went for a very long run back in the woods. And suddenly I'm, I'm retracing steps along trails that I've taken many, many times over the last 12, 13 years of going to Cove Crest. And there came a point where the trails just hadn't been blazed in a long time. And so I'm working off of memory, memory. <laughs> and looking for certain large trees, looking for certain creeks that I, you know, kind of had come to recognize Which in, through in, the in years. a forest full of large trees and creeks. You'd think. You know, might not. <laughs> I would have known better. And here's what happened. You know that moment when you, you realize you're lost and you think, I, I, I could retrace my steps right now, but that's just going to like take so much time and surely I'll just eventually recognize something again. So you just keep plowing forward in the hopes that eventually you won't be lost. That's what I kept doing. And I kept doing, and I kept doing it so much so that there came a point where I looked around, nothing was familiar. Yeah. I couldn't hear anything, but the two or three creeks, they were all kind of converging where I happened to find myself. And again, I'm, I'm very tempted towards the over-spiritualizing yeah. of things. So I just begin praying. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, that's, that's a good thing. That's yeah, a good thing yeah. to pray. Not a good thing to look for signs and all the little details. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm just gonna need you to help me out here because I have no idea how to get myself back to camp. And the last person I saw was the chairwoman of the board of Life Teen who came to camp that week. And she's gonna know that like, okay, Jimmy took off into the woods and we haven't seen him and he's late for this leadership meeting. And next thing I'm thinking is there's gonna be a helicopter coming in. They're gonna save me. It's gonna be the most embarrassing moment of my life certainly of my work and, and, and career and, and ministry. I'm just going to be forever, you know. Like maybe uh, just break my leg or something. Just, just to make sure there's a story, you know. But no, I am just lost. And so the first thing I do is pray. And I'm like, okay, Lord, give me a sign. I see this bird. This bird is flying from one tree to the next. I'm thinking, okay, that's a, that's a direction I can move in. Okay, get, give me another bird doing the same thing, Lord. And sure enough, another bird from like almost the same tree to the other tree is, is flying across. I'm thinking that would... 
okay, Lord, you know how bad I am with with over spiritualizing things. I need to a bird or is I need it you, a third, Lord? <laughs> I need a third bird to Make confirm. It that to it's confirm. You. That's right. And so what did I do? Sat there for five, seven, eight, ten minutes, and there was no third bird. And so I began going in the opposite direction. Got even more lost. I mean, Ryan, at one point, I am crawling through mud. I'm thinking, okay, maybe if I can just find a creek and either go against it or go in the same direction of it. I didn't know which. I just needed to take a guess. Eventually, I would get back to camp because there's a creek that goes through camp as well. I'm literally feeling like I'm in World War One. And trenches. Crawling I mean, I'm trenches. covered in mud. It begins thundering and pouring rain. Isn't it funny like that? There's, goes, I don't know if it, it, this was your experience, but you'll go from like moments of panic to excitement, then back to panic. Back and like, forth. You know what I mean? Back like, it's and like, forth the whole way through. And so I keep having these kind of very transcendent moments or what, what I think are transcendent yeah. moments. The skies are opening up. The birds are flying from one tree to the next. All the way down to some very mundane and I'd say even very painful moments. At this point, I'm pretty cut up and scratched up from head to toe. And eventually I just sit down in this rock and I just sort of decide, okay, Lord, I need to actually use this gift of reason that you've given me. Let me think through how I can actually get myself back. And and suddenly it was a little bit less of this, let me just dream or spiritualize my way to reality. And let me live in reality for a moment and recognize that, okay, God is, he's actually here, even in my ability to think through this problem and solve it. Eventually I realized that the creek that flows through camp flows away from camp right so the only way to get back, back to track. camp was to was to go against the creek which i don't remember what i said a moment ago but whatever i did the first time was was with the creek yeah which was the direction the opposite direction of the birds right <laughs> point is i finally got back with two minutes to spare for this leadership meeting of course i walk in and i'm covered in mud and i'm soaked from head to toe and i haven't eaten lunch it's like two o'clock in the afternoon at this point and I got a story, but I'm still pretty embarrassed by it. And it was a really, really great reminder that as much as I love the transcendent, as much as mm-hmm. I love awe and wonder, I mean, there I was kind of getting lost in the awe and wonder and the adventure of the wilderness, of the woods, of North Georgia. There also comes a point where I've got to live in reality. I've got to keep my feet firmly planted because otherwise you, you get really, really, really lost. Yeah, this is this, this tension affects her. I mean, so having a conversation with my grandmother, which I love the fact that I, I live in a world in which the conversation with my grandmother last night went from the book to a conversation with the priest to some very just normal things about cousins and cool. kids and all that stuff to, hey, what type of bourbon should I buy your uncle, right? <laughs> and so I was talking, so I was, I was giving her my favorites. And one thing I thought my uncle would like would be Angel's Envy. So Angel's Envy is kind of, Kind of controversial because Angel's Envy just buys a, a very good distillate from Kentucky, but they do a, a finishing process in rum barrels that they get from the Caribbean. Interesting. But it imparts a really good flavor. But I like Angel's Envy because of the catechetical and theological nature of it, right? <laughs> we have human bodies in which we can enjoy fine distillates like bourbon, right? Angels don't, right? <laughs> so there is this reality that we are always called to partner. Like we are, when we die, like think of this for a moment, like when we die, we will have glorified bodies. Like mm-hmm. at the end of time, like God puts it all back together. Like it's not as if he overcomes us. God's goal is not to overcome our stupidity, right? God's call is not to overcome our brokenness. It's to help us participate with his plan mm-hmm. to become who we are all the way up to a restoration of the garden and beyond that yeah. into the glorification of what he's made us for, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. But so our physical body, our nature matters. 
And it's both offensive to over-spiritualize nature and to under-spiritualize it. Yeah. And so much of Hearth and Field is like, 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 let's just enter into it with a sort of a, a sense of, of humor yeah. and a sense of honesty and, and a sense of awe. And, and the reality that you can do this both in, in the city and on a farm. Like, you know, yeah. we have readers, you know, it cracks me up. Some of the feedback we've got have been like from people like, you know, one, one bedroom apartments in Manhattan being like, oh, thanks so much for, you know, your article on mounting a horse, right? Like, because that just, you know, brought back memories and entered in, right? This idea that what we probably don't do well by modern standards, and this is a real tension that we've talked about before, is we don't enter into the moment with the proper openness or the proper respect for the, mm. what the moment's providing us. And we tend to either, you know, make it more practical to the extent sometimes that we even like approach like science this way. Like, you know, Bacon had this famous quote when he's talking about his new organum. So he's giving a new model for science, right? And he's, he's, he's really the founder of the, you know, sort of inductive methodology in a scientific way. And he writes some very good things and we're indebted to him. But he also wrote some very bad things. Like he talked about how nature often hides her fecundity from us. So we have to rape it out of her. Ugh, yeah. Right? So this like radical utilitarian, pragmatic approach that essentially seeks to demystify and desacralize nature for what it offers us. Mm. And that's a that's a huge offense. And it's very, it's very dehumanizing because our humus, our I mean, even the word human, right? John Senior talks about, you know, we come out of the ground. Even human is one of the few English words that actually communicates a theological reality, right? Mm. That we're humus, we come out of the ground. But but we're meant to go somewhere, right? We're we are in the Imago Dei, we are enfleshed eternal souls. Like that mm. means something. So all of Hearth and Field is to like communicate that reality to both like the hippie and the business person, right? <laughs> like, let's just enter into this. And the truth is, is that, you know, this is what a, a lot of things used to be about. I mean, this is, we're probably honestly, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a trained historian and, you know, we're probably in something that's only like 60 years old in, in a lot of ways. The sort of radical experimentation that says, as humans, we will be better off that the more efficient we get at, you know, producing. Mm as opposed to saying we are actually more human by entering in. Yeah. Right? It was just very different. And this is the power of great art. Yeah. I mean, I, it draws I, don't you know, in. I don't know why it took me so long to hear this definition of art, but I think it was, yep, can't even remember the name, but it was an amazing Augustinian priest. And he gave this, you know, very long four-part talk on music and morality, right? Mm. The effect that it has to dispose the soul to virtue yeah. or to vice, just epic stuff. But at one point, he defines art very simply as it's meant to reflect reality and point mm. beyond, yep. you know? There's a lot of art. It certainly doesn't point beyond. We, yep. we can all, you know, agree on that. But it doesn't even begin to attempt to reflect reality either. Yeah. I think this is really powerful and really simple. And again, why curating, like, very intentionally the music we listen to, the books we read, the art we put up on the walls of our home, the movies that we watch, it really does matter because it's going to make it a lot more difficult to enter into reality every day and to embrace that tension between the mundane and the transcendent, you know, or in some cases, it's going to make it incredibly challenging, right? Yeah. And I think with that comes temptations towards fantasy, it comes temptations towards you know, disillusionment and ultimately I'd say cynicism and despair yep. as well. So just so key to be unafraid of the tension that I yeah. think comes with both, you know, the reality of things as they are and as they are meant to be. And this, this ever increasing aspirational hope that we all have for the infinite, which yep. is ultimately for God himself, you know? Yeah, isn't it amazing? And, when we, and we're stuck with this, whether we like it or not, right? We have these deep, 
you know, questions that that demand you know hope on our part, right? Mm. But but it's an expectant, pregnant hope, and, and it doesn't you know it doesn't doesn't take away from our humanity. It actually fulfills our humanity, and so this we can't escape this. And I, one of the things I love about Hearth and Fields is that it's not esoteric. It's really like you know, we could have gone that way, and we feel there's a lot of good publications that do do that. You yeah. Know? But like we want to be like, look, the, the truth is, if we make this obscure. Or if we make it unfun, or if we make a drudgery, we've done a disservice to the reality yeah. that unveiling what is transcendent in the mundane is actually some of the funnest things in life. And so, mm. I mean, even just from like a, a practical standpoint, I was doing an interview. One of the, one of the cool things about we do pretty much every week, sometimes every month, we do a prof, profile and craftsmanship. Mm. So, in the first inaugural, which we also call a compostable issue, if you don't like it, you can throw it in your garden. Yeah, we did Wendell Berry's program of farming. You know, so I interviewed Dr. Leah Bayers and, and the work that they're doing there to, to train people to really enter into right relationship with the land based on a lot of the work of not just Wendell Berry, but his father, John Berry as well. But I, I interviewed Tempered Chocolate down right by Red Bicycle. So if you're, if you're oh, from yeah. Nashville and, and you're, you're down in Germantown, you got to go to Tempered Chocolate. It's amazing. So I'm doing the interview and we're talking and she says this thing that like, just like, so hit me like Tom Brooks. She's not coming. She's an artist. Her background is like an events planning and she brings that desire to bring an experience to people in chocolate. And she says this amazing thing. She says, you know, chocolate's one of the few foods that we will admit is not eaten because we're hungry, but eaten because we want to enter into an experience of something real. Yeah. And like my mind like blows up, right? Like, like, <laughs> like I'm, in the pro- I'm in the presence of this great prophet, this great chocolatier. But she, she's hinting on something really beautiful about art, right? Yeah, yeah. There's this reality that we are stuck with this. Like we... We stand in between the mundane and the divine. Yeah. And pulling back the veil of that is actually where we find some of the greatest joy. That's not an esoteric thing. Mm. That's like a very natural thing. That's yeah. why drinking a good cup of hot cocoa is so enriching. This is why a good conversation is so meaningful. This is why holding a baby, right, you know, does all these things chemically in us, right? Like endorphins yeah. are released. Like it's just, you know, it's not as if somehow our biology defeats or, or proves that we're not made for the transcendent. No, it actually speaks to it. Right? I mean, think of all sorts of things. Like, you know, I love geeking out recently, you know, on on the, the multiplicity of senses we have. Like we have this good scientific data now describing that, you know, we actually make decisions and operate off a whole lot of other things between our, our, what we see and what we hear and what we taste and everything. And one of the senses we have is like proprioceptive senses, where we are in space and time, mm-hmm. things like that. But there's actually a sense that we know for being beheld. Like, think of this for a moment. We actually know, for the most part, if somebody is looking at us or to us or through us. Yeah. Right? Put another way, like, think of it this way. Like, you can test this. Like, have you ever been looked through? Right? Has has anyone ever, like, pierced your exterior to know who you are? Asked another way, do you have a mother, right? Like mothers <laughs> are able to do this, right? Yeah. But there's actually a sense of this. So, so I guess the reality is like everything we see, everything we study actually points to the truth that humans live in this tension. And so our hope is that hearth and field like speaks to this tension specifically in terms of how do we enter in a right relationship with the land then, hmm. given who we are, given yeah. the fact we're meant to have one foot on earth and our head up in heaven. Like, what does that mean? You know, so Chestertonian. Oh, and, and Benedictine. Like, you know, so yeah. Pope, Pope Benedict, well, both Benedictine, St. Benedict, and also Pope Benedict, you know, he writes about this. You know, he mm. talks, there's a beautiful lines throughout a lot of his theology where he talks about horizon. And he talks about like, think, so think of the horizon for a moment. So the horizon is something in which, you know, you're able to see because of the way our human vision works and because of distance, you're able to see both the ground and, and the heaven, mm. right? And if, if you're to, to gaze at a horizon, if you just look up, you lose your sense of space, you lose your sense of reality, you lose everything. If you look down, 
you lose your sense of space. You lose your sense of expanse. You, you got to sort of gaze in such a way that you can see both. And Benedict talks about how as humans, we have this unique ability to do that, mm. to hold those two things in tension, right? And, and, and I mean, it's such a beautiful analogy for like what we're meant to do as humans is to enter into that experience of what does it mean to be in right relationship here now? And how does that inform what yeah. it means to be in right relationship with God, with the I think, divine? I think I just figured out what this episode's cover image is going to be. Yeah. You and I on a beach in Florida. Oh, yes, right. With yeah. the horizon as the sun is setting, setting behind down. us. So it's beautiful. a pretty good photo. It's a good photo. I mean, we'll I... see how it looks. But if, if you guys are seeing that right now, that, that, that moment, that okay. inspiration just occurred here yeah. now. As always, Ryan, what a joy. Before we close out, let us know how we can get subscribed. Obviously, you mentioned to us, we can easily get on a weekly email, a newsletter coming on Fridays, but what if we're ready to go ahead and subscribe? How do we do it? Yeah, so stay tuned because we're not sure yet. Actually, you know, we, we the, the first thing we want to do is get it into everyone's hands and we're trying to figure out the next, the next printing date and whatnot. So go on, subscribe online, and then you will be sent information for how to subscribe to the quarterly, which will be printed. So we're still actually figuring that out. Love it. And what's cool is we're actually figuring it out in communion with our readership. So yeah. one of the things is like, we're asking people like, how often do you want to receive it? How do you want to receive it? And we're, we're going to be committed to publishing it. But if people want to subscribe to it, just go online, subscribe to the, the newsletter for now, and then we'll give you more information. And hopefully, shortly after seeing this podcast, we'll we'll have it up and available. It's awesome. You know, in a model of subscription or patronage or something. But we're really hoping people get it. And we hope it becomes a, a good opportunity for discussion. Everyone that's that's received it has loved it. Even, even people that I know that aren't necessarily you know, that are city dwellers that are not asking these big questions, they're all underneath the surface. Mm. Right, so they've been able to pick it up and 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 read it and enjoy it and and laugh about it and follow the recipes and you know our, our next uh, our next print issue will include some really cool stuff. So we're everything from from you know, what does Sartre have to say about the nativity to what does it mean to drink a fine cup of cocoa. That's right. We were supposed to talk about Sartre. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Sartre. next we'll, time. We'll bring him in. What's cool, Ryan, is I, I can honestly say that if we could, in some way, put out a, a love good commemorative edition even annually until the end of time. I think we have a lot of very, very happy people out there. Thank you for the, the the time, the effort, the the tears, I'm sure, and just the heart that's gone into this and the team of people around it. It's been a joy to talk about it, to learn more about it today. Next month, I'm not sure where we're going to go from here, but... It's a mystery. We'll find out what's going to into it. <laughs> that's right. God bless you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Listening to I Can See Clearly Now by Jackie Minton. It's a great cover that we just released, believe it or not, on our YouTube channel last week, which is a great reminder. If you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, make it happen. Go to youtube.com slash lovegoodculture. We are constantly releasing new live music videos, excerpts of the podcast. This is also the only way to access our live stream retreats and concerts. Our YouTube channel is hopping. It is absolutely hopping, and we want you hopping with us. Did I, did I actually just say that? Yep, I did. 
we want you hopping with us. So all that to say, I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Ryan. What a pleasure. It always is. Next week, I'm really excited because Marisol is going to be sitting down with Delaney Ramsdell. Now, she's an, a, a new artist. She's a really good friend of Jackie Minton's. We've known about her for quite some time, but we're really excited because we're not only releasing a, a podcast episode with Delaney, we're also going to be releasing a brand new live music video with Delaney. Yet another hint, hint reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But anyways, it's going to be another amazing artist interview and always something to look forward to. I have to say, you know, life does feel very full on right now. Like I'm living a very high octane lifestyle down here in Tampa and I'm loving it, but it's so cool to watch how the Lord is continuing to bless Love Good and to expand our, our movement And even where we already have incredible, strong patronage, like Nashville or Tampa or Wichita, Kansas, like there's key cities all over the country that we can point to and say, yes, we've got a hub of patrons there, a hub of real believers. You know, I'd say even more than the numbers, it's been really cool to see how this lifestyle is being more and more embraced by all of us. This lifestyle of of leading with beauty of letting beauty speak through all of the noise, through all of the confusion of these times that we're living through. And once we let beauty break through all that noise, it leads us to the truth. And actually it inspires us to live a virtuous Christian life. And that's what changes the world. Yeah, obviously we're really into music, books, and art. We're really into to beauty and sort of its typical artistic expressions, right? That's great. But most importantly, you and I, we are called to live beautiful lives that captivate the world and evangelize it from the inside out. That's our calling. And we're so very honored to get to be a part of that with you. So anyways, join us next week again for this really fun conversation between Marisol and Delaney Ramsdale. And uh, in the meantime, I have a great week. We'll see you around. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Love Good Podcast. Share this episode link on social media, leave us a review, and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. You'll start enjoying our premium content and seasonal packages that not only raise your standard for music, books, and art, but that also inspire you to evangelize culture through beauty. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.